Detroit Today is supported by United Way for Southeastern Michigan. Learn more at standwithunitedway.org. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. This hour, we're going to take a look at what else is happening politically and legislatively amid the coronavirus pandemic. There are lots of things going on that are not getting a lot of attention, and it could be a perfect time for some non-COVID-19 and potentially insidious policies to slide through without a lot of attention. We're going to start with immigration, and then later in the hour, we'll take a look at what's happening around environmental regulations and how that could all impact the Great Lakes here in Michigan, for instance. Last week, though, President Trump announced an executive order that halts immigration to the United States. The 60-day plan includes a lot of exemptions and won't apply to people who are already living in the U.S. or those here on a work visa. But critics are pointing out that it's just the latest in a long line of aggressive immigration policy changes by the president. And it could hint at longer-term goals of this administration. So what exactly does the order aim to accomplish, and how will it have an impact on those living and seeking to live here in America? Steve Tabachman, executive director of Global Detroit, is here to break down the president's recent measure and what it means for communities here in Michigan. Steve, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for um, raising this issue in the midst of this very uh, scary and deeply frightening time. Yeah. I mean, I was I was a little astounded, I guess, when the announcement of the president's order came down and I didn't hear or see the kinds of reactions that uh, that we have been seeing for the last three and a half years while he's been busy remaking immigration in this country. But of course, everyone is focused on the pandemic and the economy and things like that. So so let's start with this order. Uh, what else can you tell us about this order uh, and what effect it will have on people who want to be Americans? Well, it's kind of, it's kind of confusing and it's kind of um, political theater more than anything substantively. I mean, it will have real impacts, um, but uh, first let's talk about what happened. And last Thursday, uh, the president tweeted out that he was going to shut down immigration in light of the crisis to uh, protect American jobs during this, you know, very scary time in our economy uh, where we've gone through a shock and will be in a prolonged recovery. Um, He then issued an order the following day that really didn't change any policy because what it did is um, prevent those seeking visas who are coming from abroad, who would go to a U.S. consulate uh, outside of the U.S. to get their visa and um, uh, for green card holders. Um, And so really, first of all, those consulates were already shut down, so there was no impact, although he announced it, um, I believe it goes through the end of June. It's a 60-day order, I believe. Um, And... um, uh, and so it, it extends the period beyond which those uh, so the, the consulates might open up and they still might not be issuing visas. What it didn't do uh, was uh, do anything related to American jobs. Um, it doesn't uh, restrict in any way the temporary workers who come to our economy and fill critical job shortage needs uh, in our agricultural industry, in our healthcare industry, uh, in food production, and in you know H one B workers, etc. 
So it's a little confusing, and it really seems to be putting politics before policy. And, you know, the reality is we, we, we're not going to be able to scapegoat our way out of what's a global pandemic. It just makes no sense. Uh, so the president, when he gets asked about the federal government's <clears throat> response to the pandemic and the things that have been done and the things that haven't been done, his go-to answer has been, I closed the border to China before uh, before people wanted me to or before people were really thinking about that. And I think that's really indicative of the way he thinks about policy and immigration generally. But but here, it's it's sort of a convenient scapegoat, right, as you point out, that that you, you do have a legitimate issue that we need to deal with. You have a lot of people who are scared and, and who feel as though their lives are, are being threatened. And he's turning to immigrants and immigration as, as the culprit. Talk a little more generally about how dangerous that is and how false that narrative actually is, uh, not just in the context of the pandemic, but in the context of immigration uh, when we're not dealing with something like this. Right. Well, it's a it's a deep, you know, trope uh, against immigrants that they bring disease and that they're somehow less civilized. Um, and the reality is, it's a it's a trope that you know goes back and was popular a hundred years ago. And unfortunately, um, President Trump has tried to re in his uh, anti-immigrant supporters have tried to revive that trope. And the reality is, we live in a very globally connected world, and we need um, to design our public policies, our rhetoric, and and really what we do um, in ways that are inclusive of the modern realities. And and as much as um, maybe there are moments of uh, of uh, crisis where you may need to shut a border down um, related to, we saw that it really didn't work. Um, our death rates are as high as anywhere in the world, and yet we're the most affluent country in the world. Um, and so um, the reality is that this is a real crisis. People are dying, and you and I know, you know, we know our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers who are dying and others who are suffering, much less what is happening to our economy. And we're not going to get through the crisis through fear and scapegoating. We're going to get through the crisis through cooperation and compassion. And really, you know, what the American economy needs right now is not to shut itself down from the rest of the world, but to get access to the workforce and markets it needs for local businesses to thrive. And what American families read right now are to make sure we can get them the food and the health care and the services that they need to survive and to thrive. And what American communities need there to come together to work collectively to protect our health and well-being. And instead, uh, what we see the president doing is amping up the rhetoric and fear to othering new Americans and those who want to pursue the American dream. And that not only is counterproductive at best, it's actually hurtful to American families and jobs and communities. Mm -hmm. um, so I couldn't disagree more with what, uh, where the president's rhetoric has been going in terms of, you know, uh, I think everybody's right to be frustrated. And I know some people are frustrated with the administration and some people are frustrated with China and 
you, see, you occasionally hear people frustrated with the World Health Organization. Um, we're frustrated, and, and that's understandable, but that doesn't mean that you try to uh, stop your relationship with those folks. You engage them and get to the source of the problem and the solutions that you need. And this is too important right now to um, to, to just turn our backs and, and decide that um, because we're angry, because we're frustrated, that we um, won't be engaging with our global partners or with everyone who resides here in the United States. Mm. Uh, so talk about the impact or the potential impact of something like this on the local economy here in in Michigan at Global Detroit you you guys spend a lot of time quantifying the value of immigration and the the, the value of immigrants in in our communities you you do a lot of work talking about how our economic futures are really tied to the idea of of better immigration policies or more favorable immigration policies. What does something like this do, even if it's just 60 days, which is what yeah. it is for now, what does something like do, this do to, to those efforts? Well, as I said, um, thankfully the executive order that came out on Friday didn't match the rhetoric from Thursday night. Um, if it had, um, I think I and uh, Michigan's farming communities, those who are harvesting asparagus crops and others, uh, Michigan's um, travel and tourism industry and uh, who rely on uh, global workers uh, in Michigan's auto industry that when the recovery starts is going to need to sell cars and compete with in a global economy. All of those rely on, not to mention our health care workers um, and our care workers, senior care, home care, uh, a lot of our service industries, restaurant workers, those all rely on a broad workforce uh, in this state. And while there may be, uh, you know, we know right now one in six American workers is out of a job, there may be new workers to compete. Largely, you're not going to see some of those industries where people have been laid off. Um, they're not going to suddenly show up in a kitchen to work. It will wash dishes, I don't think. Um, particularly right now, while understandably, the unemployment they're getting is much more significant if they have, you know, a middle-class job. Uh, than those jobs. And so we, our economy is a global economy. Our economy relies on the 45 million uh, foreign-born people in, in America who both spend dollars, pay taxes, and uh, fill needed jobs. And so um, I think a more important question, what the president um, uh, was trying to do with his executive orders is, you know, what are we doing for those 45 million foreign-born Americans, um, many of, you know, more than half of which are U.S. citizens now? Um, you look across the board of the CARES Act, and because of this anti-immigrant rhetoric, um, we're very restrictive in how that um, those solutions are impacting folks. In fact, you know, no stimulus payments are being made to anybody, uh, any statuses except for those who have been naturalized or have uh, work author, permanent work authorization. Uh, in fact, if you're a U.S. citizen and you marry somebody who has a, a status less than what I mentioned, and there are a number of legal statuses within that, you also are not able to get a stimulus payment despite mm. being a U.S. citizen. I mean, I think that might even be a violation of due process and take away the value of your citizenship just mm -hmm. because you chose to marry somebody. Right. Um, we know that also unemployment, and while it's expanded to include a number of, thankfully, expanded to include a number of workers who have not paid into the unemployment system, which is the right policy. Um, it, it doesn't include uh, those who, who might have different statuses other than permanently work authorized. Um, 
So there are a lot of uh, economic hardship impacting the immigrant community right now and impacting immigrant businesses, immigrant workers who are often, you know, last hired, first fired. Um, and uh, and, and thank, I'm really grateful for the work that Governor Whitmer has done in the uh, Global Michigan office, as well as Mayor Duggan in both the Office of Immigrant Affairs, the Civil Rights Office, and the uh, City Council's Immigration Task Force under uh, Councilwoman Raquel Castaneda-Lopez. We've really expanded the availability of language access. That is um, also very apparent in the small business supports, groups like TechTown and Detroit Economic Growth Corporation and Southwest Detroit Business Association, as well as like the usual providers like Prosperous Detroit, have really created many more uh, access points for uh, Arabic, Spanish, and Bongo speakers. And so we're really grateful with what has been done on the local level, but would like to see a broader response to serve everyone in our communities. Um, you know, the Detroit neighborhoods have been stabilized by a lot of immigration growth. Mm -hmm. There's been 15% growth in the immigrant population in Detroit just in the last five years alone. And that's going to be really important to the census. That's really important to spending dollars and tax dollars in our communities. And we can't afford to leave them or other uh, Detroiters who, you know, are going to face significant barriers during this time that the, the program so far have not uh, been able to reach. Mm. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Steve Tabachman. He's the executive director of Global Detroit. We're talking about the president's anti-immigration order issued recently that says for 60 days there's not going to be immigration into this country from, from other countries. Uh, we're also talking about the wider context of that kind of move. What kind of impact it could have here in southeast Michigan, given our strong reliance on immigration for uh, all kinds of things, including economic growth and population, uh, but also how that fits into the context of the larger immigration narrative that has emerged from this administration for the last three and a half years. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us whether you're an immigrant living here in southeast Michigan and how you react to what the president is saying about immigration at this time. Do you believe that there's a public health necessity to limit the, the number of people who are allowed into the United States? Or do you think that this is just about the politics of this administration, which has been really hostile to the very idea of immigration since it took office in 2017? Also, give us a call and tell us how you're doing during this pandemic. And if you didn't qualify, for instance, for one of the stimulus checks because of your immigration status or because of the immigration status of someone in your household or in your family, uh, give us a call and tell us how you feel about that, how you're able to make ends meet without that money. Uh, give us a call. Just let us know how this is all unfolding in your world and in your life. As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, before we get to listeners, Steve, I, I wonder if you can talk a little about uh, a, a that says that Trump aide Stephen Miller said on a phone call with supporters that this temporary order is part of this broader permanent plan to clamp down on immigration. Uh, it's not surprising, given, again, the things that they've said and done over the last three and a half years, but how worried 
should we be about this being the foot in the door to a much more restrictive set of policies? Well, I'm, I'm glad that he was explicit because it's what um, observers like myself have long observed. The president has signed up not just um, around wanting to curb, you know, uh, the uh, issues of uh, undocumented and, and, you know, what they would call illegal immigration, um, but he um, has been on record as supporting legislation that would have uh, cut in half the number of legal uh, immigrants to the United States. And that's really at the core, I believe, of what the president has sought to do uh, in his administration. And there's just tons of economic research out there, almost uh, universal, uh, from groups, um, you know, uh, conservative groups as well, that say that, um, you know, a, a robust immigration system fosters economic growth and creates economic opportunity um, for Americans. And that, you know, actually having the number of legal migrants to the country would really um, hurt the economy, hurt American workers, and hurt our communities. And um, I don't doubt it. I mean, the reality is of, of the executive order is that after 50 days, the um, Secretary of State is going to determine whether or not to extend um, the, the order. And as I said, the order that was issued um, seems poorly aligned, if at all, with the president's uh, rhetoric around American jobs, because it explicitly exempts all kinds of temporary workers who are filling jobs uh, in the United States, and instead is uh, saying that family members can't bring over their parents or uh, bring over their children um, uh, and other other types of folks that um, uh, would would normally be going to our foreign consulates to get a visa. Mm. Uh, is there something we should be thinking of in terms of local policy that could help blunt the effect of these national changes or push back against them? I'm thinking of the city of Detroit, the state of Michigan. Uh, of course, immigration is a federal issue, but, but are there things that, that we could be thinking of doing that would make things easier for, for immigrants here? Absolutely. And um, that, you know, really, we're celebrating a decade here at Global Detroit, and that's really been what we've been focused on for a decade. And where we are today compared to where we were 10 years ago as a city and as a state is is amazing. We're really considered a national leader now on immigrant inclusion, the city being voted a top 10 ranking in the first ever New American Economy Cities Index and the state being a national leader in economic inclusion. And what, as I mentioned, um, we're doing some great things. So you're seeing the state uh, translate all the executive orders and health information uh, into six languages. And then you're seeing a network of nonprofits and volunteers uh, adding to those languages. You see the city doing the same. As I mentioned, in the small business context, uh, uh, groups like TechTown, Detroit Economic Growth Corporation, Southwest Detroit Business Association, uh, all supported by the New Economy Initiative. They've been great about creating language access around these programs. Um, and the reality is that um, we, you know, we were only about 5% foreign-born as a state and as a city uh, a little over a decade ago. Um, those numbers have been growing. We're closer to 7% on each level today. But um, a decade ago, we really had no a thought about inclusion when we designed our, our, our policies. And so now many policies uh, from the get-go are being thought of. And that's what Global Detroit specializes is in helping local state government and institutions, both in the private sector, nonprofit sector, as well as philanthropy, think about 
um, how they can create their policy goals and be inclusive of everyone in our community, including immigrants, in doing so. And so we're very much on the ground. One area that I know uh, the city's ex- a couple areas the city is exploring. One is as they come up with their housing responses, they're looking at how they can make sure that everyone's included in those housing responses. Um, and then secondly, um, you know, the, re- the reality is that the undocumented are, are cut out of every federal program. Um, and so you're seeing some real leadership in local communities across the country who are designing uh, support programs. That's being done. Um, very wonderfully by uh, a GoFundMe uh, page uh, that I would encourage people uh, to check out that is helping uh, the undocumented in Southeast Michigan. And um, I also, it's uh, being contemplated by national foundations like Open Society Foundation and uh, hopefully by local foundations about how we can get to a number of residents in our communities who don't have access to the other supports. Okay. Steve Tabachman, Executive Director of Global Detroit. It's always great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. I hope you are doing well during all of this madness, and uh, thanks very much for coming by. Thanks for having us, and, uh, you know, I'll get back to homeschooling the kids. Yeah, (laughs) right, like everybody else. (laughs) Okay, up next, we're going to take a look at climate and environmental policy and the way that is changing during the coronavirus pandemic. And we want to continue to hear from you. Give us a call. Tell us how you're doing during all of this, but also tell us what you think about changes in areas that don't have to do with public health that may be slipping through the cracks right now as we deal with the coronavirus pandemic. 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phone. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.